Okay, so Ryan asked me to make a list or make two lists. One is me trying to imitate a random person flipping coins. And the other list is me flipping coins randomly. And he's going to decide, try to decipher which one that I made, which one was one that I made and which one was one that was random. So I'm gonna start by making what I think would be a random list. I'm starting with heads, tails, tails, heads. I'm trying to make it not just alternate one by one. I'm trying to make some groups so it doesn't look like a person made this. Need to add some more tails in. We're gonna leave it at that. That's 25, okay. Okay, time to start flipping the coin. Tails. Heads. Tails. Heads. Hi, I'm Ryan. And I'm Anand. You're listening to What Do We Even Know Anyway? A podcast where we answer questions that you've never even thought about asking. I'm, I'm interested. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if you're going to be able to do this, honestly. You're like, you probably have a pretty good grasp on probability. So you might be able to beat me. So I have two lists. I'm not going to tell you which one is which. There's 25. I did 25 each. Um, either one could be either one. And I'm just going to share this document with you. Okay. So the first thing that pops out to me is that list one, its longest streak is five tails, mm -hmm. um, which is relatively probable that that would occur in 25 flips. Mm -hmm. But it's not like an overwhelming probability. Mm -hmm. um, list two, as long as is four tails. Um, I think it seems like list two has more, like uh, more, it switches more. Usually people will, they kind of confuse randomness with mixed up. So they'll do more switches. I don't know, but I think that list two, so this is going to be my guess. I think you made list two and list one was flipped by the real coin. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, the reason I chose that was because your longest list was, your longest one was four. And also because you switched to heads at the end, which is really, that's not a strong way to like, no, but in most of the lists that I've seen, people mm -hmm. switch for the last one. I don't know, oh, okay. that might just be a coincidence. But... Um, no, I feel like I did that on purpose, though. I yeah. don't know. But you you almost had me. I, I wouldn't say I was very confident about that. I probably was like 60% sure, maybe. If you haven't guessed it by now, by the way, the topic of today's episode is randomness. 
So I assume that the purpose of this exercise was just to prove that humans, or maybe just me, but humans in general are pretty bad at faking random sequences or coming up with randomness. Yeah, exactly. Humans are really bad at faking randomness, and uh, they're just as bad as recognizing randomness and really understanding it. Um, And one story that really I find pretty funny that represents this well is, first of all, I don't know if, if you use Spotify or Apple Music, do you ever get annoyed because like certain songs aren't coming up or you don't think the random shuffle is working well enough? Yeah. So on my Spotify playlist, I I have this one album of um, Cage the Elephant, but that's only like 10 or 15 songs. Yeah. Then I feel like that, that like sometimes I'll feel like I'm only getting songs from them, even though I have like a hundred songs in this playlist and then I'll get annoyed. Exactly. I get super annoyed too because I have like a big playlist and I feel like the same songs come up again and again. And this might be because the shuffle algorithm today isn't truly random. But when the iPod shuffle first came out, I think it was sometime in the early 2000s. I'm not exactly sure the year. uh, People were really angry because they said it favored certain bands. Uh, Bands would repeat again and again. So Steve Jobs came out and said, we're going to make it less random to make it feel more random, which I thought was pretty funny. It just, you know, it shows just how terrible we are at like recognizing what random really is. Yeah, I guess that's kind of, I thought before with the coin flips, like if we get five in a row, five tails in a row, that was like really weird, but I guess it's more normal than you would, might think. So getting five of like the same band in a row wouldn't be that weird. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. The five uh, coins in a row is really what gave away that that might be the real list. But, you know, the fact that we can't recognize randomness really presents itself in many modern day coincidences, or I should say everyday coincidences. Uh, One of these is with basketball games. Um, So any given player may have a 50% chance to make each of the shots he takes while a better player may have a 75% chance to make the shots that he takes. But all each shot, um, according to some people's logic is independent of each other. So if a player makes five shots in a row, a lot of people will try to say he's on fire. If he misses five shots in a row, they'd say he's ice cold, but really that might just be chance. Um, it's just 50, let's say it's a 50% player, 50 times 50, or 0.5 times 0.5 times 0.5 times 0.5 times 0.5 is like six, it's like 0.06. So there's kind of a relatively high probability that in the long run, that's going to happen more often uh, than we might think is probable. So you're saying if someone's, hitting a lot of shots, it doesn't necessarily mean they're hot. Keeping them in the game isn't necessarily going to help you win. Uh, Yeah, not necessarily. It's just, it's just chance, you know? Um, And well, that's a pretty light example that doesn't have too many consequences. Um, People can actually use the fact that we can't recognize random to scam us and to take advantage of us. Um, Have you ever heard of, uh, a stock predictor scam? Um, no. What's that? Okay, so 
basically what a scammer will do is let's say they buy a list of 32,000 email addresses. And what they do is they, over a period of four weeks, they're going to start and they're going to email each, um, each address one stock and say it's either going to go up or it's going to go down. And they're going to give half of the people up and half the people down. And because stocks can either go up or down at the end of the week, 50% of the people are going to have gotten the correct advice. So then the next week, now they're down to 16,000 people that can probably trust them. But so the next week, they're going to do the same thing. And after the week, 8,000 people are now going to have gotten uh, two weeks of free correct advice in a row. So then they're going to do this again. And now 4,000 people have gotten, after three weeks, have gotten uh, three weeks of correct advice. And they can do that maybe one more time. So now we're down to 2,000 people that have gotten four weeks of correct advice. And we might think, uh, if you're getting this email, there's no way this is like this is obviously a reliable source. They've given me the correct um, answer four weeks in a row. You might even think they're insider trading or something because it's just so unlikely. Um, but then what they do is they'll send an email that says, you've now gotten four weeks of correct stock advice. You're going to have to pay to continue to get uh, these tips. And, you know, if you've just gotten four weeks of great stock advice, you're probably going to fork over the fee in order to keep getting these tips. But really, it's just that they went from 32,000 people to 2,000 people. Um, and it's just pure chance that these people got the correct advice. Yeah, I actually heard a similar story about just how the random the stock market can be. And okay. so in, in the 1970s, there was this scientist uh, at Princeton who said, uh, the stock market's so unpredictable that a blindfolded monkey could do better than <laughs> could do better than an expert stock trader. Okay. And so somewhat recently, they decided to test this hypothesis. Um, and so they did the trial on 100 monkeys. And what they did was they blindfolded the monkeys and they gave them darts to throw at a newspaper to just choose a portfolio. Okay. And 98 out of 100 monkeys did better than the <laughs> oh stock So <laughs> it's just the stock market is something that is just unpredictable. Yeah, I mean, like people make livings off like determining this, like being financial advisors and stuff. Not that they don't have, you know, uh, great jobs and great advice to give, but just determining the stock market obviously might not have any validity to it. But still a lot of people do because people can think they see patterns in it, but it might just be that we're bad at recognizing randomness. And given how bad we are at recognizing random numbers and kind of creating random sequences, I was wondering, how do we generate random numbers? Because I know it's necessary for some things. So what do we use to generate random numbers? And it turns out there's two types of random numbers that we generate. There are these pseudo random number generators, and there are the true random number generators. And the pseudo random number generators, they take a mathematical, like a seed number, and they apply a mathematical formula and they create a number for you. And 
that's it, it can simulate randomness pretty well. It would seem like this computer is generating random numbers, but it's not truly random. So for really important situations when you truly need a random number, it wouldn't be as effective or wouldn't be um, good to use. So there is another type of random number generator, the true ones that rely on natural phenomena that are, have, are unpredictable basically. And so that can either be atmospheric noise or radioactive decay. We don't know when um, particles will decay. So those types of things where we can't predict it, we can use that information to create random numbers. And there, there's a few differences uh, between pseudo-random and true, diff- and true random numbers. If I were to tell my computer to generate a random number now and tell it to generate a random number 10 minutes from now, if you use pseudo-random number, it's going to be the same because uh, a difference between pseudo-random and true random is that one is predetermined. The seed value that is used at any given time is known, um, whereas the atmospheric noise at any given time is completely unpredictable, or really we have no way of predicting it, which is why it's random. It's really just that we we don't understand it, so we can't see the recognize any patterns. So yeah, exactly. R- randomness stems from what we can't predict and what we don't know. So if we knew exactly how this noise, this noise from air would behave, or if we knew exactly why some things decay at certain times, then we wouldn't really be able to generate random numbers from them because someone could always predict what would happen and what number would be generated and that therefore it wouldn't be random anymore. So in order to create random numbers, we need things that we don't know. We need natural phenomena that we can't predict. Um, and it's, it's really important that we have these things that we can't predict because we need randomness for tons of things. And for many of, the, of these things, we need true random numbers uh, rather than pseudo random numbers. So, you know, we need randomness for lotteries and gambling. Um, but more seriously, we need it for uh, drug screening and we need it for security, like for password encryption and things like that. Yeah. And another thing that's interesting is that we also kind of need randomness for life. There was this philosopher, his name was Pierre Simon Laplace, and he said that if we didn't have randomness, and if we knew where every particle was, what its velocity was, and how it behaved, and then we could analyze how all of this interacted, then we would know everything, and we could predict the future from that. So for us to have this idea that we have choices and we can determine what we want, and the future isn't set, we need there to be randomness. There's an episode of Community in which the group decides to roll a die in order to determine who has to go downstairs to pick up a pizza. The episode goes into the different realities that occur depending on which side the die lands. When you introduce randomness, you create the possibility for alternatives. There's no one future. It turns out that if you measure with extreme precision how you toss a die, what angle and velocity and how the air resistance will affect it. You can determine with certainty which side the die will land on. But personally, I'd rather leave it up to chance.
What Do We Even Know Anyways is created by Ryan Hochstein and me, Anand Srinivasan. If you enjoyed the show, please make sure to rate and review us. Thanks for listening.